SaaS people to the SaaS Revolution show, bringing you front row seats to the SaaS Revolution, courtesy of Sascribe Media. Uh, I'm your host, Alex Zuma, and uh, uh, really super excited to be joined today by uh, Aziz Gilani. Uh, welcome, Aziz. Hey, welcome. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, no, no, it's a, it's, it's a real pleasure. So uh, uh, Aziz Galani is, uh, uh, is a, a venture uh, capitalist, uh, uh, you know, is, uh, uh, if, if you like the term, is um, uh, at, uh, at Mercury Fund, uh, which is a, uh, a seed stage you know, startup um, uh, VC firm uh, based in the, uh, in the mid-US uh, prior to uh, joining Mercury uh, or the Mercury Fund. Uh, Aziz has spent 15 years focused on software uh, and the internet um, uh, at, uh, uh, I think, companies such as uh, Infosys Consulting, um, uh, ABB Performance Services, uh, and Lotus Development Corp. Uh, Aziz is also a recognized expert in seed uh, accelerators, and hence uh, uh, I thought it, you know, a good um, uh, you know, conversation topic for today would be around seed accelerators and also sort of seed funding and, uh, and, and getting uh, your advice, uh, Aziz, uh, around those topics. Sure, it sounds like it'll be a lot of fun. Yeah, no, definitely. Hope so. So, uh, I guess before we go into that, I mean, can you tell us a little bit more about Mercury Fund, uh, you know, and the the, the SaaS market uh, as well in the mid US? Sure. Uh, so, Mercury Fund is an early stage venture capital fund. We're based in the middle of the US. Uh, we actually have two wings to the fund. So, we uh, we we have the wing that I work on, which is software, um, which includes vertically focused SaaS, um, DevOps, um, and uh, Internet of Things, and, and and stuff like that, with with very much an enterprise flavor attached to it. We have another side of our fund that focuses on life sciences. Um, so so we actually have guys with PhDs and doctorates who look at drugs therapies and stuff like that uh, but but I'm very focused uh, and excited about the world we live in with uh, vertically focused SaaS software companies which has been where I've been spending my time for the past few years um, uh, in the middle of the US is maybe not the most intuitive place that people think of when they think of uh, SaaS uh, software. Mm -hmm. uh, but if you look under the covers it really makes a lot of sense for why we're here um, uh, if you look at where Fortune 500 headquarters are located, so these are the large public enterprises. If you look at like certain types of core industries, so for example, I live in Houston, um, which is where the energy industry is located. Um, you also have other cities here in the middle of the U.S., places like Cincinnati, where you know consumer packaged goods are generally kind of produced by companies like Procter and Gamble. You have cities like Chicago that have a long a legacy of uh, manufacturing. Uh, places like Detroit. Um, these are all places where, you know, companies actually build things and companies actually um, need the technology that we can provide through our SaaS companies to kind of help them kind of step up to the next level. Um, and so Mercury Fund has been working, I guess, for maybe, what is it now, eight, nine years now. Um, so the fund, actually, no, 10 years we were established back in 2005 um, to kind of work with both these strategics um, and then also with, you know, with technology companies to kind of help them advance to the next level and kind of empower what those companies are doing. Okay, awesome, awesome. And uh, I mentioned in the intro that you've done a lot of work with uh, seed accelerators um, and, and kind of recognized as an expert uh, within that domain. So I, I guess, you know, my first question around that is, you know, I'd like to know, you know, when, when should a SaaS company uh, apply to an accelerator? Yeah, I mean, so if you think about what a seed accelerator does best, 
Uh, I feel like they are very good, especially the vertically focused seed accelerators. They're very good at connecting you with a combination of mentors that can really help you push forward. Um, and these mentors kind of come from a few different buckets. Um, these mentors can be, you know, the been there, done that previous software operators that can help you kind of figure out internal issues with your company. Um, they can, you know, so that's category one. Um, category two are folks who really have a lot of insight in the market that you're trying to sell to. Um, so these are folks from basically potential customers, right? Mm -hmm. um, and they're there to give you, you know, strong feedback to basically say, hey, your thesis around what you think your product is going to do for a customer is right or wrong for the following reasons. And so those folks are really helpful as well. Um, the third category of mentor that I think you can kind of get out of these things is um, uh, folks like me, um, folks who can invest in your company um, and then help you guys get to the next level. Now, those are the three types of mentors. Those mentors match up well um, when you've got you know enough kind of meat on the bone for your company to get pushed forward. Um, if if I were running a vertically focused SaaS company today, um, I'd probably go to a seed accelerator once I had like a decent thesis and I had. Um, enough development work done where I knew I could solve kind of a core problem for a target market. Um, so I, I don't even know if you necessarily have to have the product full, fully up and running, but you have to have enough there to actually run some MVP style tests uh, mm -hmm. to take advantage of those mentor networks. And so that, that, that's when I'd interface with them. Okay. And, and the, the application acceptance rates for, for leading accelerators, especially such as uh, you, you know the world famous Y Combinator and you know TechStars. Uh, they're they're between you know one and three percent. Um, uh, you, you know online research sort of tells me. So you know, ha have you got any tips uh, as to you, you know as for SaaS companies, SaaS founders sort of listening as to perhaps how they could be you know one of those you know one to three percent and how to get into um, you, you know uh, let's say the most in demand uh, accelerators. Man, you know, I feel like um, at, at least at least here in the U.S., the analogy that I like to use a lot is um, applying to a C accelerator is almost like applying to college now. Um, and, and and what I mean by that is um, there's a right accelerator for your stage and for the industry that you're probably trying to apply to. Uh, and so what I mean by that is um, so you know again you know I, I live here in Houston. Mm -hmm. um, Houston's the home of an accelerator called Surge mm -hmm. um, that's focused only on energy um, software companies, right? Um, and so you know if if you're a consumer facing startup, then you know look if you apply to Surge, you're not going to get in. Um, uh, and, and 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 whereas you know if you're an energy company, then then you really kind of line up for a really really great fit. Um, I think that when you start looking more and more at kind of the higher tier accelerators, um, I think I think that understanding kind of what they specialize in, where their mentors kind of fit, um, and how and, and whether your company is in a position to take advantage of those mentors um, really makes a lot of sense. And I think it really shines through when they look at your applications. So if I was applying to Y Combinator, you know, so for Y Combinator, right, I, I think there's no better place for like a consumer facing app company to kind of apply to than Y Combinator. Mm -hmm. And I'd probably pr spend a lot of time kind of stressing where your previous experience was in that space um, and why you think your idea is going to get traction and which of their mentors from their network can help you kind of get to the next level in that space. Um, with Techstars, I think it's a little bit 
it's a little bit more complicated, but I think it's a little bit easier on the applicant applicant just because, you know, they have so many different types of classes kind of spread across the U.S. and certain classes are kind of, you know, specialized in different verticals. And so it's just, a, you know, the trick there is finding out which one of those classes is going to be geared for the type of startup you have and, you know, explaining why you think that you, you are in a position to kind of accelerate because the motivation for these guys is they want to make sure that they're funding the next Airbnb, right? They're trying mm -hmm. to make sure they're funding the next unicorn or decacorn or whatever we're calling them these days. And so from their standpoint, they've only got so many bullets that they have to use and you need to convince them that, you know, you're worth one of their bullets. Okay, and, and, and talking of uh, uh, unicorns then, you know, uh, should you only raise a seed fund if you're planning on building a unicorn? <laughs> um, you know, uh, raising a seed fund is a complicated endeavor. Um, the, the way I look at it is, you know, for a venture capitalist, the goal here is not to be able to spot every unicorn before folks recognize it and make sure that your money goes into it. I'm, I know for a fact that I've passed on a few unicorns. Um, the trick is, I feel like for, for those of us in our business is to look at what our strengths are and what our past experiences are and figure out which companies we can help the most with those experiences. Um, so, so the unicorn I know I passed on was a consumer facing uh, company. Um, they came, they pitched me, I looked at it and I was like, wow, I'm a guy who worked in enterprise software for a decade. Um, I know how to build these enterprise software companies. Um, I, I just don't know how I can even begin to help you um, with, with what you're trying to do. Um, and so for me, it was an easy pass. And it's something that I, I haven't lost any sleep over um, because, y you know, it, it, it just didn't match up with what I knew how to do. Um, and, 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 and I think I think that that that's a piece of advice that kind of works both ways. If you're trying to start a fund, make sure you're starting a fund for companies that you can actually help. Um, and vice versa, if you're a startup and you're going to funds looking for funding, um, make sure that you're kind of lining up with the experience set of the partners that you're pitching to, uh, because no one wants to be involved in something they don't understand. Yeah, no, no, it's a, a really good advice there. And, and uh, you, you know, what, what should a founder look for in a, in a seed stage investor? Um, and uh, I, I guess kind of second part to that, you know, what should a seed stage investor look for in a, in a founder? So for both, for, for both, I mean, it, it is very much like a marriage. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, we are going to be, you know, the way I think about investing in founders is we are going to be going to war together. Mm -hmm. um, we are going to be going after a very amorphous marketplace that we kind of understand, that we know some friends in, and that we have some early leads on. But we are now going to go and try to figure out how to crack this market together. Um, and we're going to, and, and, and a lot of the stuff we try is frankly just not going to work. Um, you know, hopefully some of it will, and ho hopefully some of it's going to be wildly successful, but look, there are going to be a lot of failures, a lot of mistakes and a lot of miscues along the way. And so the trick here is making sure that we are establishing a partnership together where we can be very frank and open with each other about what's working. We can be frank and open with each other about what's not working and we can work together to kind of get the business into the position it needs to get into. So you need to have the right rapport. 
you need to make sure that both of you come from the right experience sets where you can iterate productively. And you have to kind of check your ego at the door with each other. If you can do those three things, then I think you have the beginning of a great investment founder relationship with each other. Uh, but, you know, sometimes this, this is difficult and sometimes it doesn't work out as well as you'd like. Um, and, and, and it's just important to try to do your diligence on each other ahead of time to make sure that you're set up for success. And, uh, and I think maybe perhaps the analogy of the, uh, the, the, the marriage um, <laughs> uh, actually uh, go, goes further, uh, perhaps in that um, uh, typically in, uh, well, in real marriages as well, uh, that perhaps after seven to ten years, both parties are looking for an exit. Uh, uh, anyway, right? <laughs> so, um, so I think it's a, it's a, it's a good one. Uh, <laughs> but um, uh, so you, you know, obviously you you've invested in uh, uh, you, you know quite a few um, you know seed stage uh, you know companies, um, and uh, I'd like to know you know what is the uh, Aziz Gilani uh, you know seed fundraising sort of one hundred and one? Just perhaps you you know. Like a, a, a couple of the, uh, the the essentials there. Yeah, I mean, so for me, what I like a lot are companies that have at their core solved a really hard technical problem that folks haven't figured out before, um, and it's a technical problem that ties really closely to a very large market that has a defined beneficiary and a defined buyer. Um, so, you know, like, like, like the poster child for that was a company I invested in uh, a few years ago called Black Locus. Mm -hmm. Um, it was started by some students at Carnegie Mellon University, uh, here in the United States. Um, and they had solved a really core problem, right? Which was, uh, they figured out how to do price comparison for consumer goods, um, without having a huge number of false positives. Um, so, so tradition, look, look, people have been doing price comparison forever on the mm. internet. Um, you know, back in the nineties, you had my Simon, um, which was trying to do this stuff. But the problem has always been that if you search for iPhone, um, in the result set, not only do you get the prices of iPhones, but then you also get a ton of iPhone cases. You get a bunch of iPhones with different memory levels. You, you get a bunch of extra stuff that you weren't necessarily looking for. And these guys had solved that problem. And so that core technical problem got me interested enough um, that um, I visited them when they attended a business plan competition here in Houston. I then flew up to Pittsburgh. I sat down, talked to them. And then I talked to a bunch of e-commerce guys that I knew. Um, so those were the defined buyers who cared a lot about this because they wanted to see what their competitors were charging for pricing. Um, and so that was a, so, so, you know, e-commerce is a huge market. There were defined buyers. So there were specific people at these e-commerce companies that were constantly monitoring what their competitors were charging for pricing. So that was the defined buyer at the large market. Um, and this was a huge technical problem. And so those three things kind of together kind of formed the overwhelming thesis for, man, we really have to invest in this company right away. Um, and so, and so it made a ton of sense for us. Okay. Okay. Very cool. And, uh, uh, I, I guess you get pitched, uh, you, you know, probably a lot by, uh, you know, email and perhaps, you know, when you're about, uh, out at events uh, <laughs> as well on, I imagine, on a regular yeah. basis and perhaps some of those pitches are perhaps, uh, you know, at inappropriate moments. I think I heard um, once uh, Dave McClure, um, he, you know, he, he was at a talk um, uh, here in London and saying that, you know, he'd been pitched, you know, on a dance floor, at a, a nightclub and, <laughs> that kind of thing. So, I mean, for like people that are listening, you, you know, what's the best way to, I guess, meet with investors and the best way to, 
you know, follow up with an investor and when should you pitch uh, an investor? Yeah, you know, I, 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 man, the answer to that is yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, look, uh, it, it's true. A lot of people are trying to reach us all the time. Um, you know, we have inboxes that are just constantly bombarded. Um, so, you know, those, those, you know, so, so, I mean, email addresses are easy to get and folks take advantage of them. Uh, but man, you know, this goes back to the, the, the old saying that, you know, the best way to go get a hold of a venture capitalist is to get one of their CEOs or one of their founders to kind of broker an introduction. Mm-hmm. Um, man, that here's the thing, right? It, it, once I invest in a company, um, my CEOs know that I'm always on call 24 um, seven. You know, you know, if, if one of my CEOs texts me at two in the morning, he'll get a reply, you know, before, before two 30. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and so, you know, if you can get one of our CEOs or one of our founders to, do a warm introduction into us, you will always get a response very quickly because that's the most important relationship in our lives. Um, and so that's the way to do it. Now, if you send me an email, will I reply to it? Man, I'll do my best. Um, you know, if you try to come in through, you know, a friendly, you know, seed accelerator, or you try to come in through a friendly, you know, university relationship that we have, then, you know, I'll do my best to get back to you as well. Uh, but man, you know, if you, if you're looking for that 100% hit rate, um, one of our founders or CEOs always gets the response. Okay. And let, but let's say if, uh, um, I, for instance, you know, didn't have that connection, uh, within your network of, you know, founders, and I just sent you a cold email because I figured out your email uh, online uh, yeah. and uh, I sent you a pitch deck. Would you open that pitch deck or, you, you, you know, I mean, how many of those do you get uh, and how many of those can you actually uh, kind of open or is it only really through the warm introductions? Um so, uh, man, so it's Monday morning. I'm looking at my inbox. I've got about 40 waiting for me to look at today. Okay. <laughs> um, I, I'm going to look at them. Um, I, I don't know if I'm going to, re- I, I know I'm not going to reply to all of them. Um, but, but I'll definitely look at them. Um, uh, you know, I, I, I think, I think the trick is, is the warm introductions basically guarantee that you're going to get a reply, but look, if there's something there and it's compelling and it grabs my attention, then yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll definitely look at it and I'll definitely reply to it. Um, you know, the other thing that kind of happens is, is, you know, look, if you're going to send it to me, you know, I'm not going to forward it outside of my firm, but you know, we have some analysts here that help us with stuff. And so it's not, it's not that shocking or surprising that you might get a reply from one of my analysts and, you know, between me and my analyst, you're going to get something. Um, and, and, and someone will take a look at what you're looking at. Uh, so, so it's not, it's not impossible. Um, I've found that, that, man, though, you know, the same creative bone that makes entrepreneurs so great at problem solving also makes them incredibly effective at getting a hold of me when they don't, when, when, when they haven't gotten the reply that they wanted. So folks reach out to me via email, they reach out to me via Twitter, they reach out to us via, um, uh, you know, you know, direct messages on every social media platform that I've ever imagined. Um, you know, you know, <laughs> one very enterprising entrepreneur tried to get at me through my dot daughter's uh, teacher at school. <laughs> well, um, yeah. but, 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 you know, they all find ways and, and it's fine. It's look, look, that's the way this whole game works. And, and, and man, you know, that if I was in their position, I'd probably do the same thing. So, uh, so you, you, you obviously, uh, well, I, I, I don't know if you probably counted how many pitch decks you viewed, uh, you, you know, in your career 
uh, as a VC, but I'm guessing it's in the, the thousands yeah. uh, or, or more, right? So, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. You, you know, are, are there any kind of pitch deck faux pas? Um, you, you, you know, that should be obvious um, that, that you can sort of, you know, uh, provide as a sort of, you know, insight from uh, the pitch decks that you've received um, uh, to say, hey, you know, founders just definitely don't do this or, you know, here is a common mistake that you should avoid. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the most common mistake that we see all of the time are founders that don't do their homework on who they're pitching. And what I mean by that is, look, uh, VCs invest a decent amount of time and effort into building web pages and establishing presences online that do an okay job explaining um, what we want to invest in. Um, and what we don't want to invest in. So, you know, look, I'm an enterprise software guy. Um, I invest in enterprise software companies, um, you know, usually SaaS, but DevOps as well. Um, you know, if you're going to pitch me on a cancer therapy, I'm never going to do that deal. Um, you know, you know, the analogy I say is you could walk into my office and show me a machine that turns water into gold. Um, and I'm still not going to invest in it because it's not what I do. Um, and, 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 and VCs inevitably want to invest in the markets that they understand best, uh, because they think that's where they can help entrepreneurs the most. Um, and so, man, that core piece of homework is everything. Now, once you get past that obvious thing, um, the second biggest thing that kind of drives me nuts is I'm very driven to invest in companies that have solved these core technical problems, like that black locust example I gave earlier. Mm -hmm. Um, if, if. You know, you know, you know, I cannot tell you how many times I get emails from from entrepreneurs who are like, hey, are you interested in investing in a company that can give you a 30 percent return on investment within the first 30 days? Those financial metrics mean nothing to me. Um, and, and what I mean by that is, look, I know you made them up. You know, you made them up. So let's let's get beyond that. And let's just actually talk about the the real thing that you solved. Um, and then we can figure out how lucrative that can be together. Um, so just tell me what you actually did that's forming the basis of this company. And then, and, and then, and then we can start giving yourself like these financial accolades later. Um, so, so, so that would be the second most obvious problem that I see with the pitches I get. Okay. Okay. And, and, and uh, I guess, you, you know, what, what has been Mercury Fund's most recent investment in a seed stage SaaS company? Uh, and can you tell us why you invested in, in this company? You know, what, what was it? Um, you know, with their sort of pitch deck, with their team, you know, what was the thing that made you guys invest in them? Yeah, so, um, you know, uh, we, we invest in companies all the time here. <laughs> um, uh, the, the most recent one that I was involved in uh, was probably Trendkite, based mm -hmm. out of Austin, Texas. Um, uh, and so, uh, we led a series a financing for those guys. Um, we had actually known the company for a few years before we invested it. So their seed stage was, um, uh, led by, um, an Austin based venture capital fund called Silverton, um, who did a great job kind of helping that company kind of get their MVP up and running and kind of establishing their initial traction with like a few enterprise customers. Um, but, uh, man, you know, you know, what really attracted us to what Trendkite was doing was, you know, what, what I've been talking about 
all along, right? So, you know, the, the first thing is, is, man, they had a hard technical problem they were trying to solve, which was they were trying to crawl the web and find publicity mentions um, and, and, and PR mentions for their customer bases um, that filtered out a lot of false positives and then kind of gave a beautiful chart. Um, and, and man, these things are beautiful um, that they produce kind of showing um, PR mentions against a variety of different scales that their customers care about. So huge technical problem there. Um, they had established kind of who the defined buyers were at their target customers. So like their initial customers were folks like BP and Campbell Soup and, you know, large brands. And th they had defined folks in their marketing department that cared a ton about the charts that they were showing. Um, and, and what we saw was with the cross section of customers that already established that there was a giant market of people that were hungry for this stuff. Um, and so, man, they knocked out those three things for us pretty effectively. Um, and so it was one of those things where we were just tripping over each other, just trying to put money in the company. Um, now, now that company, we ended up leading, you know, a series A in that company, probably like summer of 2014. Um, they were so good at showing how their investment in their sales process was translating into follow-on revenue that just the insiders together, like less than like four months later, five months later, I have to get my calendar right. But it was, it, it, man, it, man, it, it was just a few months later. We, we, we all got together and we just put more in the company because <laughs> um, we were like, man, this is like, this is, this is like a financial return now. <laughs> and so we just did that again. Um, and so, um, uh, you know, and it's one of those things where it's like, Hey, you know, once you're bought into the technology, once you're bought into the market and it's just execution, man, we'll, we'll just do that stuff all day long. Um, it's a, <laughs> That, that's sort of part of the trend of the uh, the, the double seed round that, that Thomas Tongues has uh, been talking about, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, look, it's 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 once you have that information and once you understand the way that works, I mean, as as an investor um, at a fund, um, you, you know, we love investing in sure things, and it they very quickly establish themselves as a sure thing. Mm. Right. Awesome, awesome. So, f final question as we're uh, you know coming to the end of the show now. Uh -huh. um, uh, I guess I, I want to know, you know, what seed stage SaaS companies outside of Mercury funds have you recently been uh, excited about? So, so these are SaaS companies that we have not invested in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Generally, we try to invest in them, <laughs> but uh, um, look, I, I think that um, you know this, this is this is a thesis that's that's that that's not fully baked, but it's something that me and my friends joke about a lot, which is. You know, the traditional enterprise IT department is something that, you know, is, is, is going to go the way of, you know, like in the early 1900s, the electricity department at companies um, and that, you know, almost everything is going to go to SaaS in some way, shape or form. Um, and so even the most banal tasks that you can imagine are all going to go away. So, you know, here, here at Mercury, we eat our own dog food, right? So we all use Slack for our inner office communication. Um, you know, we, we, we use we use outsource applications for, you know, for, for talking to each other. We, we, we use SaaS applications for managing managing our deal flow and for communicating with our investors and stuff like that. And so there's a huge pile of these things um, that, that we're using all the time. So, um, man, I'm fans of all of them. I'm not an investor in a ton of them, but, you know, I think I think Zenefits is a fantastic, fabulous company. I think I think Slack is a fantastic company, um, you know, and, and, and they are definitely making people more productive and they're adding a lot of more transparency to the marketplaces they operate in. So so I'm a big fan of anyone that's solving problems for for businesses and and, and 
and, and helping, you know, IT departments go the same way as, you know, electrical and plumbing departments. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, and, and likewise, obviously, I'm a, I'm a big fan of that and big believer that everything is going to be, uh, you know, SaaS uh, uh, one day. But, you know, I, I don't know when that day will be. But uh, so, right. <laughs> certainly we're, we're, we're moving in a, in a fast pace towards that, um, uh, I guess, uh, scenario. Um, yeah. But uh, but yeah, I would say we, we're we're out of time, Aziz. But it's been uh, uh, really awesome to have you as a uh, as a guest on the show. Um, you know, great to uh, to speak to you. Um, so you know, thanks very much for uh, joining this episode of the the SaaS Revolution Show. Um, uh, the, the the viewers and uh, or say listeners uh, you know, at home, um, if you like this episode, it would be great if you could uh, review this on uh, on iTunes. Um, and uh, we'll look forward to uh, speaking to you next time. Fantastic. Thanks so much for having me. I had a lot of fun today. Yeah, you're welcome. You're welcome.